Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mustang Manager Podcast. My guest today is Marcellus Garrick. Marcellus played two years for the Cal Poly men's basketball team and scored 500 points in just two seasons with the Mustangs. Marcellus and I have an in-depth conversation about his upbringing from South Carolina, as well as his journey to the Division I ranks and some of his best memories as a Cal Poly Mustang. He has quite a lot to say in regards to things off the court as well, so we hope you enjoy the insights and opinions that Marcellus has to offer uh, about things such as the NBA Finals, NCAA regulations, and other topics as well. We want to thank you for tuning into this episode. If you haven't already, go ahead and find us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Mustang Manager Podcast. Here's our podcast with Marcellus Garrick. All righty. Welcome back to the Mustang Manager Podcast. Join with me today, Marcellus Garrick. Uh, Marcellus, man, uh, what you been up to? Working out, going to school, you know, going to the beach, playing the game, you know, the usual. You've been watching much of the NBA Finals? Yeah, of course. I was very disappointed in what happened last night. So we're talking about game one of the NBA Finals was played last night. So uh, assuming you're you're pulling for Golden State or where are you standing on that? No, nah, I'm really just pulling for Kevin Durant. And I just, I just want him to get as many rings as he can because he's the best player on the planet. All righty. So... Uh, talk to me, Cels. Uh, where are you from, man? Uh, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, born and raised. So tell me, what what's life like in South Carolina? What are some things that uh, growing up are a little bit different as compared to life out here on the West Coast? Um, I mean, personally, uh, you know, I, I was raised by nothing but women. You know, like my aunties, my mom, my sister. Like those are all like mothers to me, and everything like that. And uh, it's hot over there. I mean. So, you know, it's not as diverse, you know, because, I mean, it's just basically one demographic where I'm from, you know, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so you grow up playing basketball. At what age did you start playing basketball, and really how did you fall in love with the sport? Uh, well, I didn't start playing, like, from my school into my junior year of high school, but, you know, I would always go, like, to the park and everything. Like, I thought I could always just play a little bit, you know, but I just never took it serious until like my junior year and really went for the team. It's interesting. So you went to Wagner High School. I'm assuming that's in South Carolina. No, um, Wagner High School is in Texas. I did my senior year um, in Texas because my mom had moved. So I just went with her. Okay. And so then from there, you go to St. Philip Prep School. Where was that at? That's in San Antonio, too. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you play sometime uh play some ball there and then you uh, end up actually on the central coast not at cal poly though but in santa maria at alan hancock junior college so how did that happen how'd you get in touch with that school and sort of tell that story for me um well out of prep i was originally committed to uh spartanburg methodist college it's a juco a national juco in south carolina and then um my aunties was like we don't want you to go here you need to get away from here and I was like, all right. And then I had met Coach Ah, the head coach of uh, Allen Hancock, like maybe like a couple months back before school started. And uh, he was telling me how, like, yeah, man, I want you to come. But, you know, we don't give out scholarships in California JUCO. And, you know, when he said that, I was like, yeah, I'm not coming here. And then, and then uh, maybe like a week before school started, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to just go to Cali. Boom. I took a loan out and I paid for both of my uh, – my, uh, my fees for my tuition in advance, and yeah, I mean, it paid off. So you come to the West Coast, you really didn't know anybody, huh? They wanted Alan Hancock. I mean, what was that like? You just kind of get dropped into the West Coast culture. What were you thinking those first few weeks there, Alan Hancock? Uh, 
really, I was just thinking of the typical stereotypes of just California, you know, just being there, like the beach. Um, the weather was just so different, the people I was seeing. I mean, I got lucky, though, you know, I, I came in with my uh, one of my lifelong friends, Shane and Jeremiah, and I mean, we're still close to this day. And um, they still, they, they transferred as well to uh, four-year universities, too, so. So you play one season at Allen Hancock? I play two. You play two seasons at Allen Hancock. Mm -hmm. uh, so your second year would have been you started in 24 games, mm -hmm. led the team with uh, 16 points per game, shoot 48% from the floor, 36 from the three-point line. Uh, was that something that sort of surprised you, the amount of production that you had at junior college, or is that something that you had kind of worked up and, and had expected at that point? Um, I mean – I don't know, you know, Coach I is is one of those coaches who never will promise anybody anything. Even like if it's clear, like you might be the best player at that time, he'll never say like, okay, this is you, this is your team or anything like that. Because you know, my freshman year, like I started my freshman year too, but you know, I was kind of just like the glue guy, you know, and everything like that. And we had a we had like a bunch of we had like three Division One dudes on that team, you know. And um, sophomore in the sophomore year, he told me like he was recruiting heavy. Cause we lost a lot of people, you know, it's Juco, you lose everybody. Um, and, um, it's just, I, don't know, I just started working on my game, man. You know, I, I wanted my career to go a different way. You know, I didn't want it to go like an average. So for sure. So your sophomore year, there, there's a really big difference. The stat kind of jumps out to me. You average really 15.9 points per game for the season, but you averaged all the way up to 20 points per game in the Western state conference uh, so you really showed up when it mattered most for your team uh, talk about the days of playing in the western state conference and those competitive atmospheres even in the smaller gyms and smaller crowds is that something you miss uh for sure i, I miss juco because it was just it was like a beauty in the struggle i guess you know um like I, at that time i wasn't committed to any division one school and you know i had heard from a couple but i didn't know for sure i was going to division one let alone d2 you know it was just I don't know, I miss it because, you know, you playing with guys in Juco, we're all fighting for the same thing, and we're all playing for the same thing. Being at a four-year, everybody's at where they want to be, you know, what at the moment. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, that was a good run, though, to be honest, man. It was uh, – I was super locked in, to be honest. I just remember I had – I was probably talking to Coach I every single day after, like, games, after practice, and uh, he was just picking my mind and, he was just telling me a lot of things that I need to work on, and it worked out. So while at Allen Hancock College, you mentioned that you really didn't have an idea of whether you were going to go D2, whether you are going to go D1. When you're right there at the end of your time at Allen Hancock, what offers were on the table, and how did it end up being you coming to Cal Poly? Uh, so as soon as the season was over, uh, Coach I has sent my stuff out you know, to like D1, D2, uh, NAIA too, and um, honestly, like I probably had over like maybe like thirty or forty um, NAIA D two schools call me, and then um, I had about I said like maybe like ten or fifteen D ones just call me at the time. I understand like I've never been recruited like that in my entire life. So like I mean I talked to like Xavier University. And I'm and I'm telling like my homie like bro I might go to Xavier. You know like, <laughs> like not even knowing that you know coaches just be calling you just to like call you. They could really be thinking about somebody else. You know they just want to see what everybody's doing. And um it's just it was funny. And then um at the end of everything though I was down to Cal Poly 
um, New Jersey Institute of Technology and the University of Maine. And th those were like the three options that like it was when it came to going D1. And I was thinking about going to a Division II school in Texas that I went to go visit, and it was pretty nice. So you talk about the, the visits. Uh, I'm assuming you visited Cal Poly. I mean, it's yeah. just up the, up the way. Uh, did you visit any other schools besides CP and then that D2 in Texas while you were uh, being recruited? Um, I visited Vanguard, and the crazy thing is that I was, my flight was already uh, paid for by NJIT to go visit them two days after I had my visit at Cal Poly, but I ended up committing to Cal Poly when I came on my visit. And um, yeah, it was kind of bad blood from there on <laughs> with them, but you know, I made my decision, so. Well, it's a decision we're happy that you made. Uh, when you came on your visit to Cal Poly, what did it for you? What what pushed you over the edge? What made you think, all right, this is where I want to uh, continue my basketball career? Uh, man, I, I don't know, man. The team was just so positive. Like, I had never been around that many, like, positive dudes. Like, just we were doing layup drills, and everybody was, you know, slapping each other on the butt and everything <laughs> like that, and we were just having fun. And, um, and I, I felt like I was on the team from the get-go. And, um, yeah, I mean, we went to go talk and everything at the Murray, like, everything uh, – they were telling me how, like, yeah, man, you should come here, man. We believe in you and everything, so it was cool. Nice. So you come to Cal Poly, and you come as a junior, and so you got two years of eligibility left. Talk to me about your first ever Division One game. Who were you playing? Where was it at? And what were you feeling? Uh, first ever, we played uh, Cal State East Bay. It was an expedition. The crazy part was that um, so <laughs> the first play, uh, first I was nervous for – for sure. And my first play was I airballed a layup and I beat a dude. And the crazy part is as soon as I airballed the layup, Hank um, got the offensive rebound and kicked it right back out to me and I shot a three and made it. And nice. then, um, and like, I ended up with like 18 or 17 that game. And it was cool, like, just to be like my first game playing Division One and everything like that. But I'll just never forget, like, my first play was I just airballed a layup <laughs> and then I just got the three right back. It was funny. So, What's the biggest difference between junior college and Division One basketball? I think sometimes people on the outside don't really understand that the levels to this game, even from D2 to D1, talk about that next level, going from JC all the way to D1, the things that it demands from you. Guys are just bigger. Um, guys are faster. Um, scouting reports are big. It's not just Juco sometimes, like Coach – Coach, I could just give me the ball and say, go and push it. And, like, if something's not there, I can make it be there. <clears throat> Here, you can't do that. You can't just keep forcing your way. I mean, you know, it's real uh, calculated and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, I would say the biggest thing <coughs> are the bigger people faster. For sure. So you go to uh, Cal Berkeley, again, your first season at Cal Poly. And uh, was this the first Pac-12 team you had played? Um, no, it was the second. We had – because we play Stanford and Cal to start the year off. Okay, so you play Stanford, and then so then you play Cal. You go to uh, Cal Berkeley, and you absolutely light it up from the three point line. You go five for five from three. Sort of your first classic like Marcellus performance for a lot of people. Uh, talk about that feeling being in a Pac twelve gym on the Pac twelve network, and and just absolutely shooting the lights out of the gym. Uh, it was crazy to be honest. And the funny part is that like I made all five of those threes in the second half because. Uh, Calero uh, was emphasizing that 
do not go into the paint because they got like two seven footers that will block it. And the first thing I did when I came in the game in the first half against Kyle was go to the paint and I threw a floater and got blocked. So he took me out this whole first half and I didn't play. And then you know, he put me in the game for the second half. And then, yeah, I mean, I just I was feeling it. The rim was super uh, big to me. And we almost won. We came, I think we only lost by like two points and everything like that. But we, we were hitting some crazy threes. Everybody, Vic too, Victor Joseph. So. Yeah, you, two games you played against Kyle were, were single possession games going right down to the wire. Uh, so you finish your your first ever preseason non-conference schedule. You open up first ever conference game in your Division One career. You have the blue-green rivalry at home, Mont Athletic Center. Before we get into what happened at that game, just talk a little bit to the fans about the Cal Poly-UC Santa Barbara rivalry, how real that is, and, and how badly those two teams want to beat each other. Oh, man, that's crazy. I, th I think that's been happening for years now, you know, and like I didn't know it was as big as it was until I was actually in the game, you know, because, you know, soccer game when UCSB plays Cal Poly, it's crazy. That entire stadium is packed. People throw tortillas on the field and everything <laughs> like that. But, you know, for the for a basketball game, especially like Mott to be sold out and packed, and everybody going, ooh, ah, on every single thing. It was crazy. Like, that first game that we played against them, like, it was by far probably, like, the most crazy, like, um, environment I had been in in a while. So we're talking about the first time Marcellus plays against UC Santa Barbara. It's at home, on Athletic Center, conference opener. Game goes right down to the wire and just a classic sort of rivalry-type game. And uh, Cal Poly ends up winning at the buzzer from the free throw line. Why don't you kind of explain that and how that all went down? Well, I feel like you got to start from the beginning. We first went down, it was like 25 to like three. Like that was the score at like seven minutes into the game. And then um, I don't know what happened, to be honest. Like it's just, I don't know. I remember Don had a couple layups. Um, Josh Vick had a couple layups. You had a step back three yourself uh, oh, that really ignited the, the crowd as well. Oh, yeah. I had. A, I remember I had that three and then um, – I don't know. We, and we just got it tied up, and it was so it was so crazy because like everybody just forgot about us being down by twenty points to start the game off that quick, and then um, the game just went back and forth, and um, Calero had drew out this one play to just to give the ball to Luke, like throw like a, a half court heave and just give it the ball to Luke and let him turn around and shoot a, a jumper. Then the dude uh, who was guarding Luke didn't stay on his feet. Luke got him with a pump fake. And luckily, the ref caught a foul at the buzzer. Luke shot three free throws and we won the game. And we were down by uh, two, so he had to make all three of them to win the game. Yeah, that's just uh, kind of an all-time Cal Poly basketball moment there. It must yeah. have been cool to be on the floor for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you play out the rest of that season. Uh, you guys get to the Big West Conference Tournament. Uh, season ends, and just like that, after your first year at Cal Poly at Division One, you're already a senior. Was it kind of overwhelming that you got thrown into the fire so quickly and then bam, just like that, you're a senior and you got to step up and lead a Division One basketball team? Uh, well, I mean, with my first year over, it was kind of just like, all right, I understand, like, I need things to work on. You know, my first year at Cal Poly was just so up and down, you know, that, but that's how, like, anybody is, you know. It's like I went from six man to starting to six man to not playing to back to six man or just rotation and I went back to starting like it was just it was so up and down and understand like I've never been in that situation before playing with a coach like and everything like that but it for sure made me mature you know so so that summer let's take it back uh this this past summer really where did you go did you go back to South Carolina how much time did you spend in San Luis Obispo and 
what specifically were you working on with your game and what did you develop uh, in your skill set? Uh, well, Calero really wanted me to work on shooting the ball. He thinks that he, well, he thought that I just, uh, well, he was right. It's just, I shot the ball different at many times. Like, it just depends on how I caught it. And, you know, I never really had like a, the right routine because, you know, at Juco, man, I was just hooping, trying to score, like, however, however I can, I'm going to get it. And then, um, and then I also dribbling, working on that and everything like that. And just trying to be a better basketball player, just defending and jumping and, able to pass to other people and create plays for people for sure so you come back and uh your senior year you come out you play uh just to be you play just in every game 29 29 for 29 uh happy to be healthy the entire season uh 17 games and double digits eight of your last 10 games of your career at cal Poly, you scored uh, in double digits so you talked about your first year kind of struggling with some inconsistencies being up and down and you really established yourself as a senior being one of the more consistent uh, sources of points. Uh, what, what changed there? I mean, what allowed you to, uh, and what do you attribute your consistency and your ability to score to? Uh, I think we were just, towards the end of the year, we started playing more freely. And it was just like, and also like, you know, when you're a senior and your last games are ahead of you, you start thinking like, man, I might not ever play basketball again, you know? So that's another thing. Like, you know, just start playing like, more confidence, but still under control, you know, uh, understanding, like, I feel like I understood what a bad shot was, I understood what a good shot was, I understood, like, certain things that I can do, you know, uh, to not make it hard on myself and not work as hard as I have to. Yeah. Right, so, I, I mean, in my eyes, I think you had one of the better endings to a, a Division One career. I mean, your last ever road game at Long Beach State, you go out and you put up your first ever 30-point game, uh, just, again, classic Marcellus Garrett performance starts with the three-point line, then you get you know a lot of uh, attack penetration, floaters, inside shots. Uh, talk me through that game in Long Beach and sort of what you were feeling and the rhythm that you got yourself into. Um, really, it was just the first half. Um, uh, I feel like once you start being aggressive and he has to respect you from the three, it, it becomes so easy to get to the paint because now he's like guessing. It doesn't matter who it is. And um, I just thought I was quicker than all of them dudes, and I'm a little strong, so it was kind of easy to get to the free throw line, or even if they did foul me, I could finish over it and everything like that. So it was cool, though, man, for sure. So we talked about your last uh, game on the road. Your last game at Mott, uh, it was a fun one. Bittersweet moments for a lot of different reasons, but it's a game at home against Santa Barbara, so it's a game you always you know want to enjoy and relish. we got to talk about the last play of your career. I mean – for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, you ought to find a way to get a hold of this clip. Uh, it's really just like with like less than 30 seconds to go. Donovan Fields is just driving right up the middle of the floor and, and he just chucks this lob up. And I remember watching from the end of the bench thinking there's no way Marcellus is going to get to this. Marcellus catches this alley-oop and absolutely posterizes this kid from Santa Barbara. We went nuts. It was just like one of the best moments uh, of the year by far. Uh, talk me through that. Did you think you were going to get to that? I mean, did you just kind of go blind? Like what was going on on that play, dude? Um, I looked at, well, me and Don had made eye contact, and honestly, I really didn't think he was going to throw a lot, you know, because, like, the guy who was in front of me was literally right in front of me, and uh, I was just like, when he, when I seen him throw it, I was like, you know what, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to just go get it, and then the crazy part is that when I dunked it, um, I thought they called foul, 
because like he lit, like he hit me all on my head. It should have been a foul. Yeah, yeah I, I actually thought they called foul, and then I was trying to looking at everybody. Like everybody was going crazy. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I think I just dunked on him because he fell with me and everything like that. It was it was funny though. It was a good moment though. Like it's something I always remember. But it was it was hilarious to be honest. Yeah, just kind of that last image I have is just right after that. You know. You, Don, and Kuba, the three seniors, you guys all get together at midcourt. You guys are all hugging each other right as the, the, the buzzer expires and the careers are over at Cal Poly. What was that moment like for you three guys to kind of share that together at the center of Mott with uh, all those fans and all the support? No, it was great, man. Uh, just, you know, I, uh, those guys have been here for three years, so they know each other for a little longer. But, um, you know, those dudes are my brothers. Uh, also, you know, Vic, you know, even though he, he didn't play this year and everything like that, but those guys are my brothers, and it was – the memories, more importantly, is what I'll miss more than anything being here. You know, I can't necessarily pinpoint a specific thing, but it's all team meals. I can, I can uh, point that out. But memories, for sure, that's going to last forever. Before we get into some of your, your favorite road trip memories and teammate memories and, and even the uh, team meal memories, uh, talk a little bit about Mop Magic. Donovan talked a little bit about it in the last podcast. Just the feeling you get when you come into the Mott Athletic Center, you've got all the, the support from the community, from the fans, from the student body. I mean, does it make you proud to put on a poly jersey and go out and play for them? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the Mott Magic, it's just like there's been games also like, I mean, we've had a Long Beach game where like we just felt like the crowd is what really gave us like that that surge, you know. Like when they, when they still learn the game, even when we're down by double digits, like that gives us like confidence that they still believe in us, so we so you know we have to believe in ourselves at all times. We just want to come back, you know. For sure. So one thing that I've noticed too in my first year here at Cal Poly, especially being involved in athletics, is the support uh, we see between sports. So you know you got you see football and basketball players going to volleyball matches, and and you know we sit courtside at all the home women's basketball games, and the women's team is always sitting up there supporting us. What's it like walking around the Mott Athletic Center? I mean, it really is sort of a family, not just within the basketball program, but the entire Mustang athletic community. Yeah, um, yeah, everybody's cool, you know. Um, everybody shows love to every other sport because, I mean, we all know that we're all coming from different places and everything like that, and everybody's trying to perform at their highest level. And, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's a uh, good feeling. It wasn't like that at my junior college, for sure. So it was my first time being around an environment like that. So, you've been on a lot of road trips. You've played in a lot of different gyms. I mean, even going back to your JUCO days and your days in Texas, all time, what was what, what were the best venues, the best arenas, the best crowds, home or away? What are some of the best places you've ever played a game of basketball? Um, the best, I think the best venue I ever played that was this year when we played Arizona. Um, the best memory I have is honestly the game after we played Fullerton. And um, Jared got scored on by their student manager. Uh, it was just, it's, you know, it was funny because that clip made the ESPN House of Highlights. And that was by far probably the funniest. Like, it was just funny because, you know, everybody loves Jay Rice. And it's just to see him, like, just get so mad about it. But he was, like, in good spirit about it at the end of the day. But uh, that was probably the best memory, one of the best memories for sure. Oh, man, that's funny. Uh, you know, fun fact about that Arizona game, there were, I think, fourteen or 15,000 people there in that game. Yeah. It was a Veterans Day weekend this past season. It was the largest crowd that a Cal Poly basketball team had played for since going to the NCAA tournament and playing Wichita State in the first or in the second round. 
So that's kind of a, a neat environment. Not many Mustang basketball players get to uh, be a part of. Uh, road trip memories, man. Let's let's start talking about some stories. Uh, any funny stories come to mind? I mean, whether we're on the bus, on the plane, in a hotel, at a restaurant, you know, what are some of the moments that kind of stick with you? Um, any funny stories? Uh, I don't. I, they're not really jumping right off the uh, seat. For sure, the Sammy Jones one. That's that's probably like my top one. Um, I can't really, I, I can't think of another one to be honest. Well, you know, I think about some of the stories that we, we had. I remember going to Fresno State and uh, our bus breaking down. Oh, you know, you yeah. want to, you want to kind of talk us through that and the whole mess that that thing was. Oh yeah. I remember that. Uh, well, yeah, when we were at Fresno State, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then we had to take the, uh, vans and everything. Yeah. Like you that. got a division one basketball team traveling like six different rental vans. Yeah. No, that was, that was a lot. Because uh, we had to wait, like we had to make practice like an hour longer just off the strength of us, you know, our bus breaking down, which you can never control and everything like that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say that was funny. I would say I was kind of irritated. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I don't know if that's a good, funny story. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the thing that people don't really realize: traveling is not always easy. Mm-hmm. So, kind of talk to talk to the listeners a little bit about the things that you got to do as an athlete to travel. Maybe some tips or tricks that you could you could pass on to anybody that might be listening to this right now? Um, man, just make sure you pack your basketball shoes. <laughs> like, that's be the first thing you pack. And then, um, you know, uh, don't don't pack like you're about to go, like, on a, a whole week vacation or anything like that. Pack, you know, for things that you really need. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. Basketball shoes, very important. Yeah, he says that there were multiple times this year where we had, you know, issues where – guys don't have shoes and we got to figure it out but we all made it out okay uh 500 career points over 500 points honestly in only two seasons at the division one level uh is that the best accomplishment that you've had as a basketball player um yeah i guess because i mean you know i think i did it uh at hancock i think i had like 700 or something points when i got done at hancock and, uh, but just being at this level, I mean, one thing I always regret, well, I'm not regret because, you know, I'm glad I went to Juco and everything worked out the way it worked out. But, you know, I wish I could have been at a Division One school for four years, you know, like could have hit the 1,000-point mark. Like that would have been that would have been cool, you know, just to have that, like I always said, one university, you know. Right. Uh, so talk a little bit about the guys on your team. Uh, what do you guys like to do off the court? Some of the things that uh, you guys like to do just to hang out, pass the time, uh, some hobbies from some of the guys on the team. Um, just chill, play Fortnite. Um, you know, I live with Joe, Alexander, Don, Hank. Um, me, Joe, and Don, we play the game most of the time or go to the gym, work out. Um, just chill sometimes. Uh, Hank kind of be doing his own thing. You know, he got a girlfriend and everything. But he, he kicks it with us too sometimes. Just chill. Kuba also, like, even though he doesn't live with us, he comes, plays the game with us. Yeah, that's really all we do for not in the gym. Just chilling, laid out, relaxing. So the you guys live in, you, you already mentioned it, you called it Murray. Uh, so it's a, a basketball house that's kind of got this nickname Murray to it. Uh, it's, it's sort of a thing of legend in the Cal Poly basketball program, and I think really a lot of people in Cal Poly athletics know of Murray. Talk about what that place means to you. I mean, even back from when you were being recruited and, uh, 
you know, how special that place is for you, especially, you know, since you lived there your senior year. Oh, yeah, man, just the fact that, like, it's been so many generations of Cal Poly basketball players who've lived in that house, it's, um, it's crazy, to be honest. Um, and then seeing that this is the last year that uh, Cal Poly basketball will actually be in it, um, it just kind of makes us, like, uh, I guess for sure cherish all the moments that we've actually had in it. You know, the fun times, the bad times, <laughs> serious times, yeah. So uh, talk about some personal hobbies of yours outside of sports, outside of basketball. Are there any, like, uh, secret talents or really interesting things that you like to do that maybe not a lot of people know about? Um, yeah, I'm really good at playing Fortnite. A lot of people don't really know that, but, like, I'm very, I'm like, a, I'm a top-tier player. And, uh, uh, yeah. Think anybody on the team can beat you in Fortnite? Probably Jared because he plays it, like, 18 hours a day, <laughs> but hey, Jared, I would just give it to Jared. Maybe Keith, too. That's about it. Man, I think there'd be some other dudes in the locker room that would have something else to say about that. <laughs> uh, something interesting, when the season ended, uh, you got a dog. Uh, so you got, what, you got a couple dogs now, right? I have two. Tell the story of that. I think there's a really interesting story. Not a lot of people really know about that. Yeah, I always... Um, like anybody who knows me knows like I love dogs and um, I always wanted to get a dog it was just you know we're in a season it's so hard to take care of a dog especially in the early uh, times of this uh, life because they need a lot of attention uh, as soon as the season was over like literally like two days after it I ended up going to the Humane Society and I got Flocky it's a Chihuahua mix and he's a uh, boy He's a handful, but, you know, he used to be abused. So, like, he's very timid when it comes to meeting people and everything like that. But he is a chihuahua, so, you know, he has to bark. And he has a little bit of chihuahua blood in him, you know. And then um, a week after Flocky, um, I was like, you know what he needs? He really needs a, a companion. So I ended up getting Oliver. Oliver's a wiener dog yeah, <laughs> mixed with a Rottweiler, which is so funny because... You know, when you get a, a Rottweiler, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, aggressive in a way. And Oliver is aggressive, but he's a wiener dog at the same time. So it's just, it's funny. But, I mean, they, they both mix pretty good. So, so That's a pretty cool little story, how you, you go and rescue these, these two dogs. And uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, let's go back a little bit to, to basketball. Uh, who are some of the best players that you ever played against? And uh, some of the memories you've had of, like, Okay, these guys are kind of different level, whether it be a guy in a high major or whatever it may be. Um, best player we played against. Um, there was a guy my first year um, in Charleston, played against his point guard, um, Joe Chili, another good shooting guard, uh, the Grant Riller. They both played on the same team. They're both, both of those guys are pretty good. And um, we also played in uh, school, Idaho. We played against this guy named uh, Vincent uh, something. Uh, but he was, he was really good too. Um, in the Big West, I don't. Oh, I mean, Gabe Vincent, who played for Santa Barbara last year. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. When I think about the players I played against. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we actually had the pleasure of meeting uh, David Nawaba, who's a former Cal Poly basketball player, the only Mustang to make it to the NBA. Uh, we talked about NBA. Who's your team? Uh, the Lakers. Okay, so you're, you're a Lakers guy. Uh, are you a LeBron fan with that, or are you more Kobe generation? Well, I'm Kobe fan, 100%. 
Okay, so you know, what do you think about what's going on with the Laker organization right now with Magic Johnson stepping down and sort of all the things you know, happening, LeBron missing the playoffs for the first time in all these years? What do you think the Lakers ought to be doing going forward? I think the Lakers should trade LeBron and get uh, James Harden. Um, and then I think, or Kawhi Leonard, or Chade Best, but I don't want LeBron in the Los Angeles Laker uniform anymore. He needs to leave. I didn't approve of it from the get-go. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit with you on that. Uh, do you really think that Toronto's got a decent chance at, at competing with Golden State, or is this just kind of like a matter of formality, five-game, six-game series? I mean, Toronto's up 1-0 right now, but do you think Golden State's just going to kind of roar back and win this thing, or do you think Toronto's actually got a pretty good chance? Um, I really don't even know, to be honest, man. I really want Kevin Durant to come back so people can understand that he's the best player on the planet, and I want him to single-handedly win this series for them, you know. But at the same time, like, Toronto's defense is just, is just different than a lot of other teams, you know. Because they have the seven-footer surge, uh, Mark, and they got Siakam who can guard, like, one through four. And then um, they got Kawhi Leonard, you know, who's just all NBA defense. So, you know, honestly, it's complicated right now because I feel like the Warriors depend so much on Steph and Clay. And if they stop that, then there's really nothing else to happen, you know. So, I don't know. I feel like the Raptors have a good chance of winning. And I'll be very upset if they do. But it's okay. Yeah. Uh, you talk about uh, the Warriors. And, and do you think it's bad for the NBA to have these super teams where you've got, you know, Clay, Steph, Durant, Boogie Cousins, all these just mega superstar names on one team? Do you think that's bad for the NBA or do you think it's actually worked out to be all right? Um, I think it's good and bad. I mean, it's good because, you know, you get the ratings up and every now it's like everybody wants to beat the Warriors, you know, but at the same time, like when it comes to like, um, uh, when it comes to like, uh, separating all the talent and making like almost every single team, uh, a contender, you know, like that would maybe that might be better for the NBA, you know, cause like nobody could ever be like, oh, this is a for sure shot. They're going to win the NBA finals this year you know, and everything like that. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it plays hand-in-hand. So, you're you're done with uh, your college basketball career, which means you're out of the sort of obligations of the NCAA rules and mm-hmm. regulations for eligibility and things like that. Uh, looking back on it now, what's your take on paying college players? Do you think college players should have the opportunity to make their own money? Uh, do you think the NCAA rules should stand? What What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I for sure do. I mean, maybe not necessarily at the mid-major level, but high-major guys, yeah, for sure. When they bring in all that money for that school, for the networks, like how Zion Williamson did for CBS and ABC and ESPN, yeah, they, he for sure get a cut of that money. I mean, I don't see the difference between a, a 13-year-old tennis player or a 13-year-old uh, musician. If you know, if, if, if he's really good at that uh, that skill, um, he can sign a multi-million dollar deal at that age, you know, and I don't see the difference between why, uh, you know, um, basketball player is any, you know, or football at that, you know, so especially high major football, you know, that's pretty, really, really big. Um, yeah. Talk about Zion Williamson. How how special of an athlete is he in your eyes? And how far do you think he can go in the NBA? Um, I think he's going to be pretty good, man. I think he's going to be a better version of Julius Randle. I think um, he has to work on his shot when it comes to creating. Um, but when it comes, he just has certain things you just can't like teach, you know, like you can't teach somebody to jump that high or, 
you know, to be that physical and strong, you know, and, and um, I think he's going to have a great career. I think he's going to be have a better career than he had in college. And then, um, yeah. So as you start to wind down your last few days of your senior year here at Cal Poly, uh, what do you have to offer as for advice for the guys that are still on the team? Obviously, new coaching staff this year, new system, new culture. You know, what, what advice do you want to leave them with uh, with hopes to really get this program back to the top of the Big West Conference? Oh, man, just go about every single day like it's your last. Um, I mean, uh, just prepare. I mean, just don't take anything for granted. The best of these us. If, if I could tell myself that before I came here, just don't take anything for granted. You know, always cherish the little things, even if it might not seem like a lot. You got to cherish that. Got to understand, like the memories that you're having of working together with people and everything like that. That's what you're gonna miss the most about all of this when it's all said and done, ten years from now. You know? So, what's the plan going forward uh, post Cal Poly? Uh, I, I believe you want to keep playing professionally. Uh, what's what's the path that you're taking there, and, and what are you doing to get ready for the start of your professional basketball career? Um, yeah, uh, I signed with my agent maybe like a week after the season was over. I remember like a couple weeks, and then um, uh, Scores First Management is uh, a company based in Germany. Uh, they've been doing it for about 15 years now, and uh, I mean, the guy that I'm working with, the actual agent, he's real. He's real cool. He's he's realistic, you know, and that's how I am too. You know, I'm a realist, and uh, like I don't need anybody selling me something that you know I know. Like I know I'm not gonna be Kobe Bryant in the NBA <laughs> anytime soon or anything like that. But it's just. Uh, he believes in me. He believes that, uh, you know, on my ability to fit overseas, especially for my first, uh, my first pro season year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going uh, overseas for my first uh, year, and uh, we'll just see how that goes. What are the ties you're going to try to keep with with the Cal Poly basketball team? I mean, are you going to stay pretty connected with the players? You're going to try to make efforts to come back here to San Luis Obispo. Uh, talk about the relationships and, and sort of what you want to keep from this university. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll try uh, for sure to uh, come back sometime. You know, I don't really see myself ever going back to South Carolina to live. You know, I really do see myself being in California for, you know, the long haul. But, uh, you know, I'm for sure going to FaceTime guys and see what they're up to and, you know, check the games out sometimes if I have time or if I'm up, you know, for sure. So, in your opinion, what was the all-time greatest moment of your career at Cal Poly? I would say when Don hit that dagger three against um, Hawaii and we beat him Hawaii at home, it was just crazy because like I was watching it on like, the corner, like on, when he shot it, and then like the way it just rattled in, it was just crazy. It just felt like one of those moments, like that you know, like I can't explain. I mean, Mark's buzzer beater at the buzzer too against Bethune Cookman was crazy to me. But I feel like that Don three was really like that signifying moment, especially for like his career, you know, like the player he was. So that was for sure one of my favorite moments. Nice. Well, we're going to miss having you here at Cal Poly, man. And we appreciate the time and the work and, and everything that you put into this university and into this basketball team. Uh, we wish you all the best going forward with your pro career. And uh, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate the stories, the insight, and your time. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So that wraps it up for this second episode here of the Mustang Manager Podcast with Marcellus Garrett. 
you want to find out more about this podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Mustang Manager Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. That's all for us today. Uh, Catch you next time on here at the Mustang Manager Podcast. Peace.